Hey, what's going on? It is the Man Fuse Podcast. I am Kay Lee, your host, my co-host, Ben H. So here we are with part three of our conversation with stuntman Nick Decay as he weighs in on the tragedy that happened on the Rust set involving Alec Baldwin. He gives us insight on the industry standard of how they handle weapons, the armorer, and what corners might have been cut. So Nick, what's your opinion of what happened on the Rust set? That had to have hit somewhat close to home for you, you being in that industry, right? Was it an accident or a political assassination? (laughs) It was definitely an accident, but it was fuckery from top to bottom. Top to bottom. Like the whole production on that It's all fuckery. Top to bottom. Top to bottom, 100%. Because it's like... Real bullet came from somewhere. One, it's like this is a low-budget movie. I I don't know. This is all speculation. Give us your take. On a low-budget movie like that, in order for it to get funded, they have to have a big movie star. And he's coming in as probably is an executive producer in that, so he's getting points, but he's also the lion's share of the money of this movie. So if this movie was a $5 million movie, I have no idea what the budget was, but I know it was relatively low. He might be sucking up half that budget. For himself. As, just, as, yeah, yeah, just because he's so amazing. Um, <laughs> and... Um, and, and that's the only way the movie can get distributed is by having this big movie star in it. Right. That's the so, anchor that's going to pull people right. in. And, and he probably has some pretty hefty demands based on how amazing he is. Because, you know, like a peasant. rider. Well, yeah, exactly. Like a peasant class film worker basically works from when they say to go to work to when they say to stop. Whereas the elites will have rules. Like, I'm only willing to work from this time to this time and do this to this. You know, and they can do that because they're important. But when they do that, the entire rest of the movie crew has to shuffle around and do all kinds of crazy stuff and bend over backwards. and To meet those terms. And and sometimes you have people working 30, 40 hours without a break Mm. um, in order to make it so some elite movie star guy doesn't, you know, have to work more than four hours that day. Right. Because, you know, his private jet's going to, you know, it's going to explode if he doesn't lead at three. And I don't know if that's the case on this particular movie, but I've been on movies where... Corners have been cut? Where, well, everybody is left kind of holding the bag so this elite millionaire can get, you know, can get their nails done at the time they want to get their nails done. Um, right. Or some kind of chicanery like that. Right. So, do so you have that. There's a union that controls props and armory, and I believe that for whatever reason they had opted not to use this union uh, a budget concern there's no reason not to use the union other than just being cheap i believe that the woman who was in charge of props and firearms and i don't know if she was a prop master and armor or what what her specific title was but i don't believe her resume supported her doing this movie but i do believe her father's resume did mm. the film industry is an industry where a lot of people get their skills through bloodline, mm-hmm. you know that makes sense. So because she had a father that worked as an armor, that or, would make her an armor. Right. It's kind of like if your dad's a brain surgeon, you don't have to go to medical school; you just become a brain surgeon because mm, yeah, you're not yeah. A brain surgeon. yeah. Same same. Yeah. That's how the yeah, yeah. industry functions. Yeah. Okay. So at yeah. eighteen, you know, we'll we'll you know. So if my dad was a pimp and had lots of hoes, that would make me a pimp with lots of hoes. That's right. Indeed. So, you would inherit so, the hose. Yeah. So that that I'm tends a hoe to be, inherent. <laughs> and I and I believe she was uh, in this kind of a thing where her father was some sort of a armorer guy with some with a pretty good resume and 
they decided to give her this this job that she was woefully underqualified for. Woefully. And um, and then you have that kind of with this crew that, um, from what I've heard, was stretched pretty thin um, as far as work hours and working conditions to kind of meet the needs of this low-budget production. Um, I had heard that some of the people from the camera department had already walked because they felt like the set was unsafe and they were rushing things and kind of overworking everybody. Um, mm. And allegedly they were out playing with real bullets in the gun the night before, which the Screen Actors Guild actually has pretty specific rules about firearms on set, as does IATSE, which would be the union in control of most props. And all of those rules were disobeyed Shit. from top to bottom. Yeah. So... Typically, if a firearm has ever had real bullets in it, it categorically excludes it from being used on a movie. Dude, that's what I was saying. I mean, I was saying stuff like that. I was like, wait a minute, what? Because I was in the Army for a little while. Yeah. And so firearm control, there's very simple rules, very simple stuff. Yeah, it's like you if know, it's ever been used to shoot real bullets, you can't use it. Can't even use it. But we do use real guns a lot. But right. um, And some of the guns are capable of shooting real projectiles and some are not. It depends on yeah. how the gun's been modified. But generally speaking, it's not supposed to have ever fired a real bullet. Right. Gotcha. Um, there's never any live rounds. And then we don't allow live rounds on set ever under any circumstances. Right. They shouldn't even be there. Correct. And let's say you have this prop gun that is a, a real firearm. So let's, let's call it, let's say an AR-15 because that's the big scary one. Um, so we have an AR-15 on a movie set. It's unloaded and it's never had a real projectile in it. And it does, and it has a OEM, you know, two twenty three barrel or five five six barrel, so it can fire a projectile. Then, if it's going to have blanks in it, someone will come up with the blanks and be like, "See, look, these are blanks," and we'll all look at them, and it's they've got the crimped head of a blank, and then they'll load them in the magazine, and then the first AD, the key grip, the stunt coordinator, various people like this will all look at it. We'll all agree, like, "Oh, look at that, <laughs> blanks." Right. This is an AR-15. Look, and then we'll shine a laser down the barrel so you can see the light. Right. Get reaching the action, so you can be like, okay, there's nothing in it in the barrel. There's no debris. Blah blah blah. They'll call rolling, and then right before they call action, they load the weapon. Say hot weapon on set. They'll rack it. Give it to the person. You do your sequence, and blah blah blah. In a situation where there, where you have a revolver, um, they do have dummy rounds that look like real bullets. Mm -hmm. But um, whenever we use those, all the bullets are out of the gun when you get it. Right. So you get it, and you look, and they look at them. The, the primers are gone out of the back of them. And if you shake them, they have like a BB in it. So they, they go ding, 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 ding when you shake it. And we shake all of them. It takes, a, you know, 30 seconds. And then they load them right then and there. Then after they load them, they go click, 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 all through all six rounds to make sure that none of them work. And at that point, they hand the firearm to the um, to the actor or the stunt double. This is done on every set. I've never been on a movie set where it's not done. I've never been on a movie set where this is not very serious business. So the fact that Alex, a movie star, he's been around, he should have known. In my opinion, he should have known. There's no excuse for him not knowing. No excuse. It's not like he's a day player. No. This is his job. He is a movie star. It is his job to do this. And when you pick up a firearm, you're responsible for whatever happens next. Yeah. And and so he should have done that. The first AD should have made sure that the key grip stunt coordinator, that everybody should have looked at this thing. 
the prop master should have done it. The producer should have hired a prop master with the resume. They should have gone union and had an IATSE person there anyway. So it's just a failure from pre-production where they hired the wrong person and didn't do it through a union right. all the way to the end where the guy who gets the gun didn't properly safety the weapon. Right. It's uh, a tragedy nonetheless. The whole thing's a tragedy, but it was a failure from top to bottom. Hey, Nick, thank you so much for joining us on the Man Fuse podcast. We'd love to have you back on again. Oh, man. Sure. Yeah, we could just keep going. Yeah, we really could. Uh, and I hate to cut it off, but... Um, Maybe next time we'll do it in, in the man-fused HQ. Yeah, yeah. You can come over to my crib. Um, join the show by hitting us up at manfused.com or you can call 770-744-5227. Thanks for listening. And Nick, we will post all your info on our episode description and hopefully you can share it to your audience and people can enjoy it. It's awesome. Check out the arc of Lilburn too.